This morning we're going to be reading the book of Samuel, uh, and so I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you're this morning, go ahead and go with me and the word. We have it up on the screen behind me. We will read Samuel chapter 1, and then we will get to work. Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man of Ramathane, Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroboam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and of He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Aminah. Aminah had children. Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were the priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah was sacrificed, he would give portions to Hannah and his wife and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord closed her womb. And so it went on year by year. As often as she went to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart so sad? Classic God, the phrase is about to come. Am I not more to you than ten sons? And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she was deeply distressed. And she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she died about and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, but only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. For the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to me. She said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate. Face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and they worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house on the rock, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Samuel is very close. Hebrew word for Samuel is very close to the Hebrew word heard. So Samuel was God heard her prayer and gave her a son. And the name she gave her son, the Lord has heard. That was the name that she gave. The man Elkanah and all his house went to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay. 
said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Alkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word as a gentle reminder. You may feel the Lord, the Lord of God, do that in the elders. Yeah, keep the kid until he's weaned, but remember, you know, you've got an arrangement there and you don't have to So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three year old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am this woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. He is loaned to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. I want to make this additional comment to verse 27, verse 28. The Hebrew word for uh, to hear my petition, it's an idiomatic expression. It means something along the lines of loaning your ears. It's sort of an expression that's like, hey, listen to me. Listen to what I have to say to you. Loan me your ears. So some of you might be thinking that's an interesting way of saying I have loaned my child to the Lord. But it's actually a play on Hebrew words, which Hannah essentially says, I pray to God and I ask him to loan me his ears, to listen to me. And because he loaned me his ears and listened to me, I am loaning my child to the Lord. That's that's essentially what's going on there. It's a play on Hebrew, Hebrew word. And then of course the final expression, he worship. Let's bow to the Lord. God, we love you, and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for this amazing account of this woman, Hannah, Lord, and just the way that you heard her prayers. We pray, Father, that as we just reflect briefly on this text this morning, that you would open our eyes to see the great calling that is on our life, as you have given to all of us, sons and daughters. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would be faithful to you raise these kids up in the fear and the admiration of you and they would know you. We pray, Lord, that you would remind us of that from this text this morning. Pray your spirit to our hearts and minds and shine upon this morning. That we would receive it with joy, believe it deeply, and walk obedient to it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We live, I think, in very, very sad there is a great deal of confusion that I think many adults have with regards to their children. There is sometimes the thought it's not just for people who are not religious, it's a thought that permeates sort of secular individuals as well as it can also be our thought process sometimes that when we look at our children, we sometimes make the wrong assumption or draw the wrong conclusion that our children are ours. They belong to us. I was startled to read a New York Times article uh, about 10 days ago by an individual by the name of Mark Boyce Schrag. 
In the end, my wife and I chose to have Sophia. We had to fight for her in the face of widespread medical and societal pressures to terminate. She lives because we chose for her to live. And that was our choice. The Ohio bill would do away with that choice, forcing everyone placed in that situation to care to turn a child with developmental disabilities regardless of their willingness to love that child once they were born. I'll read to you that last part again one time. The Ohio Bill State Legislation will take away choice, forcing everyone placed in that situation to carry to turn a child with developmental disabilities regardless of their willingness to love that child once it's born. And that is the moment in which I think of myself. It started off really well, but I don't understand how your heart goes from this incredible one yet to very cold and basically suggesting that whether or not the child should live should be decided on whether or not you're willing to love the child. Children are a gift from the Lord. All children, regardless of physical infirmity, mental impairment, all children are a gift from the Lord. All children have the potential in the Lord's hands, regardless of whatever difficulties they may be diagnosed with, to be like Sophia, soaking up the last rays of summer fun entering into the third grade. As scriptures clearly teach, in Psalm 127, Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward from God. God gives you that. Psalm 139, David writing, makes the statement, you, talking to God, you formed my inward parts. In other words, God made me. God made me. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was being made secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that you formed for me when as yet there were none. See, the Lord gives us our children. They're a gift from Him. And even as they're being made in the womb, it is the Lord who is making them. Which means as they are crafted, however they are brought together, whatever difficulties they may have, whatever physical struggles they may be given, all of those things are predetermined by the Lord for a purpose. You know, this last week, Apple announced a special limited run of rose-colored iPhones. They're running like a thousand of these things, so if you want rose-colored iPhone 6S, you better get on it, because there's only going to be a thousand. Some people are excited about that sort of thing, but can I point something else out to you? There was a limited run on you. There's only one of you. There will only forever, for 
condition. Talk about a unique one of a kind. I dare say, a collector's item. <laughs> I look out here at this church this morning, and I think to myself, I've got a great collection of friends. Everyone's unique, everyone's got their own particular personality and characteristics. We're all got our little quirks. You truly are a collector's edition. I wouldn't trade you for another one just like you. Absolutely, there are problems. This is during the time of 
Judges, in which there was no king in Israel. If you're familiar with the book of Judges, you notice there's a recurring text that goes on and on throughout the book. You know, uh, there arose another generation that didn't know the Lord. That's one of the statements that we encounter multiple times in the book of Judges. And there's another statement that says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Well, you have a nation that is embracing idolatry, and different portions of the country are embracing different types of idols. And all throughout all this, you have the sequence of judges. Some were good and some were kind of not so good and some were quite actually horrifying. But God is using these men to sort of push out more invading armies to try and in some limited paths to draw the nation back together, to draw them back to worship the Lord. But it becomes quite clear that the Lord, if he's going to actually see Israel come back to faithfulness, he's going to have to do the job himself. He's going to have to raise up a king. He's going to have to take matters into his own hands. He's going to have to put his own man in the situation. Well, there has to be somebody on behalf of God who will play the part of the king. There has to be somebody who is walking so closely, so intimately with the Lord that he hears a word directly from the Lord, and it is based on the Lord's will as revealed to this man, that this man will stand up before the nation of Israel and say, this man will be your king. We need a kingmaker, and the kingmaker has to be somebody that has a heart for the Lord. In other words, we need a leader. Samuel is going to be that leader. Born to a woman who cannot have children. Look with me really quick. You notice that there's this man, Elkanah, and he has two wives, Hannah and Benina. And Benina is quite cruel. She has a whole bunch of kids, and she sees that Hannah does not have kids. And so when they go to worship, when they go to Shiloh to offer up sacrifices to engage in the Lord, worship to the Lord, that as an opportunity to sort of stick in the eye of him. So they go to worship, and one of the things that they do when they worship is there's a sacrifice, there's a cutting up of meat that is offered as a sacrifice. And it says that Alvinah, he'd give the meat to Benina and all of her sons, and he'd give a double portion to him. And Benina was not oblivious to that, but well, a double portion. So she's jealous and she's envious, and so she sticks it to him. Now, the scriptures are clear. To have a child is an indication of the Lord's favor on your life. Want to have children. Hannah has no children. So now ask yourself this question How many of you would enjoy going to church on a regular basis where every time you went to church you struggled with whether or not you were really accepted in the Lord's eyes and to prove there was somebody there who, by all our appearances, looked like the Lord was really blessing her? And she used that as an occasion to just thumb your nose, to just stick it in your face. You do not have children. You are not loved by the Lord. You are not welcome here. And that is your church experience. Now, if that's you, and most of us, if that was our worship experience in which we would go to church and there was somebody there who was constantly making our lives bitter, constantly making our lives miserable, we probably wouldn't want to go to church anymore. We'd probably be angry at God and say, you know, God's not blessing me, kid. Get this, I'm out of here. But that was not Hannah's. She didn't withdraw. She didn't pull back. She got closer to the Lord. When everyone is feasting and celebrating and having a fellowship, she goes in. She worships God. She prays. She says, God, please help me. I would love a child. She makes this statement. Which on first glance, it sounds like she's offering a quid pro quo. God, give me a kid, and I'll let him serve you. 
she loves the Lord. She's worshiping the Lord. And she is the way it's structured. It does sort of strike us as a quick pro quo, but she understands. As a member of the House of Israel, she's obligated to raise her child to worship and serve the Lord and God. She doesn't make a special vow. Any child who will be a Nazarite, Hebrew word Nazarite, which means somebody that is devoted, consecrated to serving the Lord. And she is very clear she's going to put this kid in the temple there with Eli at Shiloh. He's going to serve at the temple, helping all the nation of Israel to worship the Lord. And so she's praying to the Lord. Eli sees her praying, and she's drunk because she's trying to blow the grass bowl. She's talking, she's whispering her prayer, she's not saying anything out loud, but her lips are moving. Says, ah, you're drunk, woman. Now, how is that for a great way to worship the Lord? You're trying to get away from the woman that's always sticking in your eye. Can't you just get some peace and quiet when you get down and pray? And then the pastor comes out and starts making fun of you, telling you that you're drunk. You talk about a person who's having a horrible worship experience. That would be Hannah. But Hannah says in your eye, I'm not drunk.
ridiculous number of a child. God smiled on them. Children are always different. Everyone's different. The greater shows or differences that they might be born with, all of those things in fact are given to the child. The child is beautiful on one side, and we know that they have to struggle for some of that as a result of some of those things. Thank you. 